Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am, I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and it's everybody's favorite day of the week. It is a Ferg Friday as Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer joins us. How are you, buddy? I'm all right. How are you? Good, man. I am good. So we were just chatting before we uh, press record and got going with this. Earlier today, the you know, there's been talk throughout the whole offseason about the college football playoff, how much do you expand it, and people kind of throwing out, you know, their opinions on it and and mm-hmm. and all of that, but it seems like we actually made some movement today with that. Yeah, a uh, a working group, the management committee, which is a few uh commissioners in college football, including uh including Greg Sankey of the SEC, uh, they propose they're going to have a proposal next week when they all have their one big meeting uh, to move to 12 teams, which is very, very interesting because it's from four to 12 is quite the jump. A lot of people thought it was going to be four to eight. Yeah, everybody's been saying either six or eight. That's kind of been the debate. So 12, that's a ton of teams. 12 is a ton of teams. And like, I'm a fan, like there there are a couple of things I hate about it. um, But the things I do like about it are that you give the group of five a seat at the table just, you know, to keep them in the mix. Otherwise, there's no reason for the group of five to even still be kind of uh, part of, of FBS, you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you some more at-large bids. I think if you're an Auburn fan, you should like this move because you don't have to win the SEC or even come in second in the SEC to theoretically get in the playoff. 17 Auburn would have been in there, uh, and then they would have come really close in 19 under this format. I mean, really, really, really close. Uh, to getting into the playoff in 19 because of where they s- sat in the college football playoff ranking. So uh, good news for Auburn in, in, in that space as well. Um, you know, and if you're one of the four best teams, you get a bye. The dumb thing I don't like in this is that it seems that that first round, so five through 12, yeah, they're going to do, they're going to do games on campus, which cool. We've all wanted to see more of these games on campus. Sure. But then when they switch to quarterfinals, it goes to bowls. So they keep doing the bowl thing. Problem there is, is that you can get a bye in college football and then not play a home playoff game while the worst teams get to play a home playoff game, which I, I don't like that at all. But that's interesting. Know, hopefully, hope, hopefully they'll sort something out like that because it, it is it's kind of it's kind of dumb. But I will say that that first round of the playoff in on campus stadiums, like somebody pointed out that like Georgia and Cincinnati would have been a playoff game last year mm-hmm. in Cincinnati, and that would have been that would have been a wild atmosphere. So um, hopefully, hopefully that'll uh, that'll make more you know it'll be better because. Right now, in the in a fourteen playoff, you pretty much know it's going to be Alabama or LSU. You know, L- Alabama, whoever is big and brave enough to knock out Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and mo- more often than not, a team like Oklahoma or maybe even Notre Dame. But even if it's going to sort out that like those still are the four best, three best teams in college football each year, at least more access is going to be more fun for everybody. It's going to make it's going to make the game more interesting. Justin, if this has been addressed, I, I apologize for, for those listening. I've been super out of touch, even more than, yeah. than normal this week today with uh, funerals and, and, and things like that. But, mm-hmm. Justin, has there been any talk about what that's going to do to the 12-game schedule? Will just they add more games to the two or three, or I guess it'd be the four the eight teams? teams. Or, yeah. yeah, eight teams. But before those are getting a buy, so you wouldn't even be adding a game, really, right? Mm-hmm. So just for yeah. the handful of teams that are going to be – making it to that, you know, to that second round that that didn't get a bye. Are we just going to leave it with normal 12 game schedules? 
you know, that's that's an interesting thing because I don't think I think that's going to be one of those things that every conference is kind of addresses. Like there's no, you know, I think there might be a set minimum that you have to play, but that even got thrown out of the window during during COVID. We saw that like, well, as long as you can crown a champion in your conference, that's all you really need. Right. And you could change yeah. the rules like the week before mm-hmm. the championship game. If you're the big. <laughs> exactly. 10. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think if you're I think if you are these schools is like it's going to address like, you know, what do you do with your non-conference games? How many non-conference games do you play? Um, because you're putting more and more stress and labor on unpaid football players, which is never a great thing. But I mean, it's one of those things where we've we've tweaked this um, so many times already that I think people are going to open up to it. So I would I would opt for a smaller regular season. Maybe an eleven game one. I don't know, but like it, it, it'll be very interesting to see how team how teams sort out moving forward. You don't have to load up your schedule necessarily and still make the playoff, which I think is a, is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And so, how does this benefit Auburn? I mean, me just shooting from the hip here and digesting this information a little on the fly. I think, I think it definitely benefits Auburn. Mm-hmm. I think it benefits pretty much every SEC team because I think there's going to be years where a three-loss SEC team has a chance in this current formula. You need other things to happen, obviously, mm-hmm. but, I mean, if it's a yep. if it's a year where the SEC is just firing all, on all cylinders and you're competitive in those three losses and your losses are to Alabama and maybe Texas A&M and LSU or something like that, but you've got quality wins against a Penn State or a Georgia or, you know, maybe you'll miss with Lane Kiffin in a few, in a few years really has it going, where they're like, eh, you know, they've got three of the best wins in, in college football right now. Uh, despite having you know several losses, so I think Brian Harson's happy right now. Absolutely. Um, I mean, like I said, in seventeen they would have made it, and they would have lost three games and made it, made it into the playoff. Yeah. I think there, I think there's going to be more often than not the SEC is going to get three, maybe even four teams into this playoff year in and year out. I think that's just how it's going to go. Um, you know, maybe four is a stretch, but three. I, I think this is the, they are going to be the conference best equipped to get multiple at large bids. So if you're Auburn, you are going up against Alabama and Georgia. You know LSU is who they can be. You know Florida is who they can be. And A&M is trying to get to that point as well. But you don't necessarily have to be better than Alabama to make it to the playoff, to have a chance to win a national championship. And, of course, Auburn fans, every Auburn fan listening is like, no, you want to beat Alabama, you want to be the best. And look, no one's been better at playing and beating Alabama than Auburn has in the last decade. Um, but well, but, but also, news. like, you, you beat them in 2017, they still win it all. So it's like, right. you know. Right, so at least you can control your own destiny a little bit more in this case. Um, and 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 at Auburn, you're going to play one of the toughest conference, uh, toughest schedules, if not the toughest schedule, every single year. So that strength schedule is going to be high. Your chances of getting an at-large bid are going to be high. If they get this thing rolling, if, if Brian Harson, you know, these years before they make the switch, and I don't think they've determined when that's going to be. Yeah. But if they get this thing rolling, and by the time this this field gets opened up, Nick Saban might still be running the world at, in Alabama, and Kirby Stark might still have a, a juggernaut at Georgia. But that doesn't mean Auburn's going to be sh- shut out of the national championship. I think that's going to give you hope. I think that's going to give you a lot more confidence moving forward if you're an Auburn fan that, yeah, you have the toughest challenge of maybe any program in America, but that also means you're going to have a better chance to get into the dance, and we all know – Auburn just wants a shot because they are the team that can create more chaos than any other in, in college football. So who do you think, uh, assuming this format goes into play, who makes the playoff first? Brian Harson at Auburn or Gus Malzahn at UCF? Uh, 
Wow. Um, I'm saying my, Gus. Yeah, I think it, I think it could be Gus because okay. So the thing there is is that if you look at the seven years of the playoff, um, the team of the group of five that would have gotten in under this format, four out of those seven years it would have been an AAC team. Mm-hmm. Two of those years it would have been UCF specifically in 17 and 18. So yeah, I think you're in the best position. Um, you know, UCF and Cincinnati are about to battle it out to see who is going to be the best right. group of five team year in and year out. And and whoever comes out of that AAC is probably going to be in the spot. We don't know what Boise state is going to look like after Harson's gone. So the mountain West doesn't have their superpower out there right now. Um, there will always be a team like a coastal Carolina, like a Appalachian state, like maybe a Louisiana, um, you know, who could jump up, run the table, and, and and shock everybody. Coastal would have made the playoff last year under this format. Uh, Western Michigan would have made it a few years ago in this format. But, um, yeah, if you're in the AAC, you – I mean, the AAC was the conference that's trying to say that, hey, we're, we're part of – we want to be a power six. We want to make it a power six. We want to be in that range. And, honestly, they're about on that level when it comes to the Pac-12 uh, in terms of how, how good they are at football. Um, so yeah, I think, I think Gus is a really good spot and, and he should be very, very, very excited. Somebody asked me in the mailbag at the, at the observer, sure. um, about Brian Harson. Brian Harson would have been better off staying at Boise. And I think no, just because it's, it's getting harder for the mountain West to get in because of how good the AAC is. And we already know that Boise was, you know, Brian Harson before he left Boise state was like, we got to get out of the mountain West. Um, cause it wasn't helping them out like, like they thought it could. Um, so I think he's in a better spot than, than he is, you know, He's in a better spot at Auburn than he was at Boise State. However, if you're trying to make the playoff, I think Gus Malzahn's in an easier spot now than he was at Auburn. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. It's going to be fun to watch that. Those guys are always going to be tied moving forward, and, and, and I'm okay with that. Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer joining us on today's Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Stat Hero. Did you know that 85% of people who play da- uh, daily fantasy sports, they lose? Is it really that surprising, though? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time, and you don't stand a chance in those formats. So, introducing Stat Hero, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows you their lineup and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup, and it's cool because they show you what their lineup is, so you can then have strategies, different ways to attack their lineup. It's awesome. It's a great, great service. Play Stat Hero now, and you get to change the odds in daily fantasy sports. Go to stathero.com slash locked on to sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That is stathero.com slash locked on. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball's in full swing. Playoff basketball, playoff hockey, uh, UFC and MMA action, as well as boxing. You can bet on all of it at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs throughout the playoffs, or you can even bet on futures if you just got to bet on your football. You can do that too. Betonline.ag, when you put in your deposit, use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Jay Ferg, we have not talked yet since Auburn got their newest uh, member of the 2021 class. Probably their last one, but we'll see. You know, this offseason is crazy and the transfer portal is still alive and kicking. But Roe Torrance, a very, very massive Juco corner. You wrote about him a lot in the in the Auburn Observer, and uh, this is why I love subscribing to everything that you do because your content, you, you provide examples of why guys are good at certain things and what they do well, but... This is a guy that's really, really big. He can bully you, and uh, also he's pretty good in coverage. Also lined up at different spots on the field. So what do you expect from him in 2021 for Auburn? Yeah, I think he is a weapon that I think they can use strategically and situationally. Cornerback, you're going to be fine this year, right? Mm-hmm. You've got you've got Roger McCurry. You're bringing in Drake Sean Miller. Nehemiah Pritchett is a really good corner as well. I think Jalen Simpson came on well in the spring. So you weren't desperately, desperately needing corners, but – situational we've seen Derek, uh, Derek Mason in the past rotate guys around move them around get in specific situations he loves depth and he loves being able to do different things and what Roe Torrance does really really well is that the fact that he's 6364 however tall he is uh, officially and how strong he is is he is so good in press man coverage and and you know he gave up one catch this season in Juco and I do not care who you play against it doesn't matter what level of football you're at. If you're only giving up one catch in a full season, you win a national championship at the end of that season. You're, you're good. Doing something, you're doing something right. And so I think the translation there for Roe Torrance is going to be very interesting that if a team has a big wide receiver that you want to kind of muscle up on uh, on the outside, he can be a dude you can strategically deploy in certain situations. If they want to go run the fade or something like that, you're expecting them to do something like that in the red zone. He can be a guy using his length and his physicality to match up well. And then I think moving forward for him is he's very, he's very, very interesting to me because he's got so he's got all that size, he's got all that length, he's so strong, he's got a real physical mentality on the outside. I think a couple of areas where you could see him improve in the SEC and where you think, okay, how good will he be? Speed and uh, and technique. Those are two things that you can get better at. You can improve, especially in the SEC, and especially with the coaching and the strength and conditioning you're gonna get at Auburn. Um He's a really good piece, I think, for the future. But like right now, if you want to mix and match your your secondary and 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 put guys in strategically, he's a dude that can say, "Hey, you're going to put him on this outside receiver, and he's going to try to manhandle him and uh, and and really really shut him down on the outside." And I think that's something that you can deploy in spurts, maybe this season if he gets off and running uh, this fall. That you know can steal some snaps and steal some situations where you want to have Roger McCreary or Nehemiah Pritchett or Drayshon Miller doing something else or giving him a breather on the sidelines. As far as Roe Torrance's stature and his size and his physicality, is there an Auburn corner that you would compare his game to? Is there anybody that kind of comes to mind that you would can compare uh, Roe Torrance to? No, I think whenever you see a big cornerback on the outside and you hear about physical, strong, and playing, you know, playing kind of rough them up football on the outside he, he immediately the mind goes to Jamel Dean right like yeah, that's what that I was, was the thing with that was the thing with Jamel Dean when he came from Ohio State is like oh man this dude is massive and 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 Jamel plays very physically that was his thing I mean he was a he was that kind of guy on the outside and so it's been a little bit it's been a minute since Auburn had him now no one's denying that like no they're denying he was a physical physical corner uh you know Roger McCree those guys are physical dudes but it's a little different when you're six three and you're six four and you can do things that just yeah, – I mean, you can't teach that. You can't teach height. You can't teach length. And one of the things that was so interesting about him as a man coverage guy 
is that he's not the fastest dude in the world. And it looked like there would be times where uh, the opponent thinks, okay, I got to step on him. Uh, you know, I'm going to get him over the top. And he's just so long that it's like the quarterback just has a hard time getting it over him. And, and, and you know, he, he really blankets dudes and he's very sticky in coverage downfield. So a lot of Jamel, I see that in a big dude, long arms, is going to try to use all that to his advantage because that's not something you see every day out at cornerback. Do you think he is part of this class if Kamal Haddon had stayed put? Probably not. Probably yeah, not. I, I think agree. between him and I think between him and Marco Domeo, I don't think he's I don't think he's on this team if uh, if if you know Auburn didn't need these defensive backs. And that's one of the things about your your DBs in college football. The nickel is the base. You have five defensive backs on on the field almost every play. You have six or seven a lot more frequently than you have four. So you need depth and you need guys. Um, you know, for the future. And so when you lose that depth, like, you know, Kamal Haddon and, and Marco Domi, I think are going to be really good players wherever they end up. But like those weren't big 2021 losses for yeah. you. However, it could be big moving forward and it could be big if something happens to one of your corners up top in case of injury. You bring a guy like Ro Torrance in, um, it's a it's it's a good fit. And and Ro Torrance, it's just the timing's great for him. He's from Alabama. He played at Bessemer City. He's a late bloomer. His first year at, at, at Hutchinson, he was a good, decent, you know, Juco cornerback, but wasn't on anybody's radar. He can, he has this unreal defensive player of the year year in the Jayhawk Conference mm-hmm. with just these crazy stats and these, this crazy film. And the timing's just right. You win a national championship. You've, you were committed to Tennessee at one point, and now Auburn, your home state, one of your home state schools comes knocking. It's a real perfect timing for him. So I think is yeah, um, it, it just all kind of worked out that Auburn needed a guy here, and he was breaking out at the same time. And so at the point where a lot of teams already have their roster set, Auburn could kind of pluck him up, and who knows, he might be a diamond in a rough. What what should Auburn fans take away from this in regards to, to Brian Harson? I mean, you mentioned Marco Domeo. I don't think it shocks a lot of people that he transferred. Kamal Haddon mm-hmm. leaving did surprise me at the time for sure, but – He's rolling with all of this. You know, he, he inherits a situation where he may not love the depth of certain positions, but those guys leave, and then he goes after a guy that's verbally committed to Tennessee. I think there's a lot you can take from that little story right there that says, yeah, I think Brian Harson is going to be okay in the conference. Yeah, and, and he's not going to rest on his laurels, right? He mm-hmm. could have easily inherited the talent he had at Auburn and said, we're we're going to roll with him. We're going to build it moving forward. They have been aggressive in the portal. They have been aggressive in recruiting some of these guys because they want to make a statement in year one. And you look at every one of these dudes they've picked up, whether they're offensive guys or defensive guys, they fit the scheme. The younger guys have a lot of upside to them physically. They've got some traits that you can't teach. And you think, okay, with some more time, with some with some better technique, with some more experience, you might have some guys that really can outplay their their recruiting ranking. And then you go get some older guys that are going to want to fight. They're going to want to be hungry and, 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 and put out some good film in the SEC this season. And that's how you change a culture, right? When you get a guy like, like Auburn goes and gets a corner in Roe Torrance, and what is Roe Torrance good at? Being physical, mm-hmm. manhandling people, you know, playing some bully ball on the outside. Well, that's going to be the MO of this football team on both sides of the ball. So yeah. in, that, in that type of style, it's, it's a really good fit. And I think it's a, it's a statement, you know. Auburn wants to be the best team they can obviously be in year one, even though this is a long-term process. You know, you don't hire you don't hire Brian Harson to be 
you know, go to the national championship in year one. Now it'd be great if Auburn did that, if you're an Auburn fan, but what happened the last time you hired a coach, right? Doesn't that happen every time you hire a new head coach? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then then you go back to 93, you go back to 93 where you go undefeated with a new head coach as well. So, I mean, like, but I think if, I think it's really interesting is that even though this is going to be a build and this is going to be a process and there's going to be some bumps and bruises, there's going to be some, you know, some growing pains for this football program they're not sitting back and just letting it ride. I mean, this, this staff and this, and this, uh, and this program have been ag- aggressive and in, in reloading. And I think that's just because they want to make a statement in year one. Now I'm not saying they're going to win at all. But they're going to want to make a statement. Justin Ferguson joining us on today's locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by built bar. Did you know that built bar has nine delicious flavors? Plus those limited time flavors that rotate in and out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, just to name a few. They're all delicious. They're very high in protein, very low in calories, very low in sugar, uh, very low in uh, net carbs. We've been traveling a ton this week, and nothing is easier than uh, just grabbing a quick built Bar on the go, whether it's an afternoon snack or a breakfast. They're delicious. They're absolutely delicious, uh, delicious and everybody in my family loves them. So, uh, high endorsement. If my wife likes it, you will absolutely love it because she is very, very picky. I love her, but she is very, very picky. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Jay Ferg, we got you for uh, for a few more minutes here. What uh, how what all's been going on at the Auburn Observer, and how can folks sign up for it? Yeah, so we mentioned the Road Torrance breakdown. Right. We've been doing these for every every football player and every basketball player that has joined up this offseason. You can find a breakdown of them at the Observer. Road Torrance being our, our latest one. Uh, Tuesday had a story kind of breaking down the situation with Desi Sills, mm-hmm. what Auburn does from there, you know, and all all that going on. Had a podcast talking about both of those things up on Wednesday for our subscribers. I had a story on Auburn's uh, pass rush, the numbers, kind of diving a little deeper into the numbers and how that's got to be the one area I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this season for this defense, you know, as good as we think the second and third levels are going to be. How do they how do they rush the passer? And then we got the mailbag up on Friday. We'll have a podcast, uh, you know, over the weekend uh, talking about what we learned uh, from the last few days and uh, having some fun with that. We're going to have some more interviews coming up and have some have some fun guests with the podcast here as we get closer to SEC Media Days and all that good stuff. So sign up, AuburnObserver.com. Pay $6 a month or $60 a year to subscribe there and everything we do, whether it's a newsletter or a podcast, we email it straight to you so you can read and listen to it on your own time. Yeah, best Auburn coverage out there, and I uh, I stand by that for sure. So I was going to ask you about the Desi Sills situation, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of over it. I kind of don't. I mean, do you, do you think it's important? I mean, I, you know, it might end up being one of those things where Auburn goes and gets another guy because of it. But, I, you know, my, my big takeaway is that it would have been a real luxury for Auburn to have, but I think they're fine. I, and I also think the Katie Johnson, it makes the Katie Johnson pickup that much bigger for You're Auburn. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, and it's also one of those things like they might go get another guy. They might sit back, be good with 11, run that rotation. Fingers crossed that you don't have any injuries in your backcourt. Um, roll with that, have a really good year. And then, man, that 2022 class is looking like it could be just absolutely just dumb good for, right. for, for Auburn basketball. So they can go either direction. I think I think Bruce Pearl is going to play, play it close to the vest, though. So something I've been... I'll say complaining. I've been complaining about. So Athlon Sports, they put out their uh, their preseason magazine mm-hmm. uh, for the SEC. And yep. uh, across all of college football, they had a they had a list where they were ranking college football's new emphasis on new head football coaches going into 2021. Sark mm-hmm. leaving Alabama going to Texas is one. I'm fine with that. And it's like yeah. I I think Harson <laughs> should be two after that, yes. then Gus should be three. That's just my opinion. If you want to put Hypel up there, I'm okay with it, whatever. But they had Harson at three and Gus at four. Do you know who? They had Clark Lee. Mm, I don't like that. I don't like it at all. And I like, look, man, I'm like, I'm not going (laughs) to, I'm not going to point out, you know, any biases or anything like that, but like, Okay, I think Athlon might still be being printed in Nashville. I don't know. Oh, there, is that some, true? There's some Nashville people that are connected to Athlon. That's all I know. Um, so I just I'll point that out. Uh, Got it. I don't get the Clark Lee stuff, man, because like I, there's nothing about him that doesn't strike me as like, oh, is this just going to be Derek Mason all over again? You're going to run into the same problems you just had. Um, sure, he's going to do things differently, and you know he might they might have a bump, but like Derek Mason was good for a little while there at Vanderbilt as well. Right. Um, look, man, I mean, like, that's the other thing is like, I'm not crazy about Sark either. Are you not? No, because my, my whole thing about Sark is this, what is he going to do when he does not have by far the best talent on the field? That's my question. But he's going to, he's, he, I think a lot of the times he will have the best talent on the field at Texas. Maybe. I mean, like, but that's the thing is like, they, that, that team was matchup proof (laughs) that offense they were running. It was, it was like NFL type of offense because they had NFL type players. Yeah. They're not going to have that at Texas, not early on. I don't think they're going to have that early on. And my, and my thing with him is, I think he's a really good play caller. Very interested to see how he adjusts back to being a head coach again. But my other thing about Sark is this. He inherited the best offense in football in the NFL, and they got worse in Atlanta True. when he was there. So if you have NFL talent and you're better than everybody else, you might be awesome. But <laughs> like at Texas, at Texas, it might take a little while before they get to that point. But I mean, I'm I'm fine with you if we put it that. I mean, the Harson the Harson hire has has its own you know version of question marks. I mean, I think if you wanted to put Gus as number one, I would be fine with that because for the job, yeah, UCF pulling a guy who had been to a national championship, who had won an SC championship, almost won another, you know, won a national championship as a coordinator as well. That is huge for them. So, and now, I mean, if you go undefeated, you're probably going to the playoff. You know, whenever that starts to go into effect, exactly. like exactly, that they makes might it be even able better. To get away with it with one loss, honestly. I mean, just just being honestly, if they they schedule correctly, and it's yeah. like, okay, well, we lost to Cincinnati in the regular season, but we got them back in the championship games. Like, yeah, you're probably still getting in anyway. Um, I would I would say Gus might be the, and I know Auburn fans don't want to hear that, but like, I think in the I I think in the situation that he's going into, that might have been the best hire, right? And then you know. You can split hairs with Harson and, and 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 Sark. I think I think both of them have their pros and cons on paper. I think you know, I think Harson can end up working out really well. And I also think you know, don't put Josh Heupel anywhere up there because UCF fans didn't really want him to stay around anymore. With That's that true. That says something. And he got an upgrade off of that. Yeah, yeah, man, Justin, thank you so much for uh, for hanging out once again. Where can people mm-hmm. uh, where can people sign up for everything at the Auburn Observer? 
Yeah, auburnobserver.com. Check it out. Uh, I know a lot of people who listen already subscribe, and we appreciate you guys for that because it continues to grow. Awesome. And, uh, and uh, I also want to shout out uh, shout out the, uh, the, the the Dan Peck idea. Give a subscription for Father's Day. That's coming up around the corner. Let's do that. auburnobserver.com. Yeah, it'll be here before you know it. Absolutely. Justin, thank you so much, brother. Yes, sir. We'll be back on Monday to recap everything that happens over the weekend. Follow me on Twitter at C Black. Read the show on Twitter at Locked On Auburn and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. This has been Locked On Auburn.